Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Marcus, and I am joined this week by two very wonderful people. I'm joined by Brad and Kelly, so let's go ahead and have them introduce themselves. Uh, Brad, why don't you go first? Hey, I'm Brad. I'm uh, a reviewer and news writer for DC Comics News. And Kelly, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm an op-ed writer. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for uh, being here today and for joining us. And um, if you're wondering kind of where the rest of the team is, uh, Seth is, you know, just taking some time off to go and hang out at the Oblivion Bar with all the other uh, magic folks. And Steve is actually not feeling well this this week. So he was supposed to join us today, but he's not feeling well. So, you know, he I think he just had a little bit too much of Bane's venom. Uh, just trying to get a little bit too he was too excited to be with us on the podcast so you know we wish him a very uh, speedy recovery okay guys so we got a lot of news this week uh, we're going to be touching on a lot of movie news uh, some tv news and a lot of comic book news this week so you know i hope you guys are ready and uh you know we just want to take a moment also just to thank our audience thank our audience for just listening uh we really appreciate your listening to us and please when you if you have a chance visit our websites that's dccomicsnews.com and our sister website darknightnews.com all right let's go ahead and get started all right let's get into the movie news and of course the big news this week is james gunn and if you haven't heard james gunn is back as director of guardians of the galaxy 3 and if you're wondering why we're talking about this, well, if you've been keeping up with the news these last couple of weeks, James Gunn has been signed on to the Suicide Squad sequel. So for us in the DC world, it kind of, you know, makes things in, keeps things makes us wonder, you know, what's going to happen from here on out. Is he going to stay with uh, DC Comics or is he going to move over to Marvel? Um let me go ahead and let me ask you guys, what do you guys think about James Gunn? And do you th how do you think this will affect the Suicide Squad franchise uh, moving forward? Uh, Brad, let me start with you. I Well, first of all, the Guardians are my favorite of the Marvel movies, really, when it comes down to it. So I was super <laughs> bummed that he was playing from those movies, but was happy to hear when he was hired to do Suicide Squad. I think he'd be a great fit. Um, and because what I've, from what I've heard, he's sticking with Suicide Squad as well. And in fact, he's going to shoot that first as of now. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think basically that means that fans of both Marvel and DC end up winning in this scenario. Uh, I think we will get our Suicide Squad movie and it appears that it's going to be a reboot. So I'm curious of the tone he's going to take, if it's going to be you know kind of silly and funny like guardians or or more serious so i can't I'm, I'm just glad that he's able to do both okay kelly what do you think i um yeah i mean i hope he stays with suicide squad because after the last one i think they definitely needed someone different and someone better and guardians of the galaxy was great um i don't know i feel like it's almost kind of underhanded that they're rehiring him back after everything that went into him getting fired and like all how angry everyone was then and now that you know DC's kind of doing a little bit better it almost feels like they're trying to kind of scoop him back up but um you know with 
the new Suicide Squad movie. I've heard he wants to take like a 1980s turn to it, which, I mean, anything's better than the last one. So that's fine by me. Yeah, I think uh, on last week's podcast, we were talking about kind of the uh, the rumor was the uh, cast of characters that was going to be involved in Suicide Squad. So, I mean, Idris Elba, we know, is going to be uh, taking over for Will Smith as Deadshot. Um, we expect Margot Robbie to be back as Harley Quinn. But then you have this cast of characters that was announced like Ratcatcher, uh, King Shark, uh, Polka Dot Man, and Peacemaker. And those were kind of, you know, kind of out of left field there. Uh, but... The fact that it's James Gunn, we're like, okay, that sounds, you know, it's James Gunn. We trust him. We've seen what he can do. We see what he did with Guardians. Um, and so we expect, I, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, the bar is set very low, but we expect the next uh, Suicide Squad to be way better <laughs> than the first one. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because, you know, when I was talking to the uh, some of the other editors at our, at our site, um you know, I might, you know, I was wondering if will he continue to work in both franchises or kind of like what J.J. Abrams did with Star Trek and Star Wars? Um, or will he kind of lean more towards one way or the other? Uh, you know, so, you know, we know he's working on Suicide Squad 2, but what about down the road, Suicide Squad 3? Or will he do Guardians 4? I mean, who knows? Like, what do you, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that he'll go... Um, just try to stay in both lanes, if you will, or do you see him kind of, you know, maybe one studio throws a bunch of money at him to kind of have him in-house as their own? Um, let me start with Kelly. Kelly, what do you think? I mean, I, it's hard to say because he already had relationships with, you know, obviously the cast that he worked with for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But then at the same time, I mean, they, he was fired. Like, I, I think I would have some hard feelings there if I was him. And, you know, with Suicide Squad, there's just so much faith in him and so much enthusiasm. It kind of feels like if the first one, the one that we're about to see, goes well, then maybe he will end up staying on. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it really depends on how well the, the Suicide Squad movie does and how much of a free reign, you know, that DC Warner gives him with this movie. Um, you know, if, if he could make Rocket Raccoon and Groot cultural icons, there's no, you know, I'd love to see him try to do that with, with King Shark and, you know, and Ratcatcher. And so I, I hope that, that they give him, you know, the, the freedom to be able to really get in there like he's good at. So I just think right. it depends on, you know, how successful the Suicide Squad movie is. Right, right. And I mean, we got some time before the movie comes out. It's it's coming out in 2021, I believe. Um, but one movie that's going to be coming out really soon, actually in a few weeks now, is Shazam. And if you guys are, you know, if you guys are kind of tuned into the, uh, or at least listening to some of the buzz, it's, you know, it's getting a really good uh, reviews from some of the early screenings and as of right now it's expected to have an opening weekend of 40 million dollars now that might seem like a low number but also keep in mind that shazam didn't cost as much to make as some of these other movies um you know i, I believe the uh, the number i saw was shazam was somewhere around just 100 million to make compared to you know some of the other giant superhero movies that go into the 200 300 a million dollar range um 
So, you know, we're getting close to the, uh, you know, to the release of the movie. So I was kind of wondering what you guys are expecting from Shazam. Like, you think it's going to do really, really well? Or do you think it's going to be a great movie? Um, Kelly, what do you think? I could see it doing well. It's, I'm, for a DC movie, it's different than anything they've done, at least recently. Because it looks like it's supposed to be funny. I mean, they, they had Eminem in the trailer. Like, that's, <laughs> it sounds like it's supposed to be hilarious. Which, right. if they do it well, then I think... I think it'll be good. All right. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I think the buzz on this has been so positive so far. And the reactions to the footage and the trailers, people seem to be really loving it. So, yeah, I think it's going to do well. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily be surprised if it, if it makes more than the 40 to 45 million that they're predicting. Um, I mean, it'll run up against Pet Cemetery, so that will. <laughs> that may drag it down a bit, <laughs> but it's, I, I it's like what do, what movie do I take the kids yeah. to? Do I take yeah, them right. to Pet Cemetery or Shazam? <laughs> right, I mean that's 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 kind of at my birthday weekend, so I'm really forward to seeing both. Okay. So I I really do think though that um, it's going to do very well. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's kind of I think those are conservative estimates to be quite honest with you. But I mean, who knows? I I think uh, it's just some of the uh, you know we were talking about it last week about the uh, positive response to the movie. I mean, you know, I think someone I forget who it was. It might have been from someone from IGN. It's mentioned how it reminds them of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, that's you know that's quite that's quite the bar set, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see how how that movie uh, turns out. Um, now, another movie. Uh, well, it won't be coming out too soon, but we're definitely all excited uh, for it to come out. Is next year's Wonder Woman eighty four? Um, now there are some kind of interesting, you know, little tidbits of news that have come out recently about Wonder Woman, specifically talking about how it is not a sequel. Um, it almost feels like it's a soft reboot or, you know, something, something to that effect. But, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to quote here the, uh, Charles Roven, who's the uh, producer on this movie. And he said, you know, the Jenkins, Patty Jenkins, the director was just determined that this movie should be the next iteration of Wonder Woman, but not a sequel. And she's definitely delivering on that. It's a completely different time frame, and you'll get a sense of what Diana slash Wonder Woman has been doing in the intervening years. But it's a completely different story that we're telling, even though it'll have a lot of the same emotional things. A lot of humor, a lot of rape action, tugs at the heartstrings as well. So I find that interesting. Um, now, in this, in an article for uh, Batman News writer Sean Yoon, he actually compared it to kind of like the Bond franchise, where you have the same character. Uh, but it's not really, there's not a lot of continuity between the different actors that have played Bond. Um, although, for example, in this case, we definitely have Gal Gadot being Wonder Woman. That's, that hasn't changed. So I was wondering what you guys thought about that. Like, what do you guys think they might be making here? Like a sequel, non-sequel, if you will. Brad, what do you think? Uh, I I think the Bond comparison might be... Uh, an interesting way to go, especially as DC tries to find its footing with these mm-hmm. films. Uh, you know, the shared universe kind of got off to a rocky start. And since Wonder Woman has proved, proved herself so much as far as being able to bring people in theaters and, uh, you know, it, it can kind of exist beyond the whole DC extended universe. So it's, it's, what they could do with that kind of 
you know, like the the Bond thing where it's just more hinted at could be kind of interesting. Uh, and how they're going to bring back Steve Trevor is what I'm really curious about. And that would be that. I mean, if they're just not going to really consider much in the first movie, then that would be a lot easier. So. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Kit Kelly, what do you think? I, I mean, I have like extremely mixed feelings there because on one hand, um, you know, after I saw Justice League, I was kind of, you know, next to Wonder Woman, I was kind of worried about how she's supposed to have any sort of character development from, you know, the 40s to modern day if she's still, you know, just coming out of hiding in Justice League. But then, you know, if we look at it in the sense of 1984 is a whole different iteration or version of her, then that could actually be really good. But then on the other hand, it's, um, you know, there haven't been a ton of super successful DC movies as of late. So I don't know if difference necessarily the best plan for one of the really good ones. But um, I mean, it gives them room to play around with the character a lot. And I do think the Bond comparison makes it a little more interesting. It's kind of truer to the comics, I guess, if you think about, you know, the way comic books from writer to writer is kind of a just a new iteration of the same character. So it'd be interesting to see it done that way. Yeah, you know, when you just mentioned the Bond comparison, I started thinking about another superhero franchise, which is the X-Men franchise. Mm-hmm. And you guys know that continuity is a mess. And, <laughs> and but it somehow, you know, with, well, with certain movies, they make it work. Um, I liked First Class. I liked Days of Future Past. Did not like Apocalypse. Um, and we got Dark Phoenix coming up. So, you know... Does it necessarily, like, let's say the next Wonder Woman, does it fit exactly into the DCEU? I don't think that's going to be much of a problem moving forward. Um, the key is, is does Wonder Woman 84 stand on its own? And I think it will. Um, I'm a big fan of it's being set in the 80s. I love that era. You know, it's just an iconic era to, you know, to dive into just real quick, what do you guys think? Are you guys big fans of the, the 80s? Are you excited to see Wonder Woman in, in the 80s, Brad? You know, I, I think you you had a good point. The fact that, um, you know, you like some of the X-Men movies and some of them you don't like. I think the bottom line is that we just want a good movie. Mm-hmm. And and as far as the 80s goes, <laughs> I... <laughs> I like the 80s, sure. I do think the music in some cases can be a little overrated. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, Are you talking about hair metal specifically? Yeah, or kind of, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I just hope it doesn't get too cliche. Mm, because okay. by this time, we've seen a lot of stuff set in the 80s. And it kind of all feels the same. So if they're going to do the 80s, that's fine. But I'd like to see a little bit of a different approach. So basically, as long as Chris Pine isn't standing in a front yard with a boombox over his head. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> all right. And Kelly, what do, you, what do you think? It was about the 80s setting and all that. I'm not at all opposed to it. I mean, I definitely do not like hair metal. So I'm hoping that's not, you know, the theme of the soundtrack or anything. But I, I mean, I have no issue with them setting it in the 80s. Um, you know, I, I hope at the very least with, younger viewers coming to see it that any of the nostalgia won't be lost on them i mean i wasn't alive in the 80s but close enough to it that you know i kind of get what was going on and you can see the jokes and the references and it's familiar 
But I'm hoping, you know, if it's a 13 or 14 year old going to see it, that they won't be like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right. All right. So, I mean, Wonder Woman will be coming out in June 5th, then 2020. Um, so it's a little bit of ways away. And another movie that's even further away than that is The Batman. And that's expected to come out uh, around the same time, June 5th. Um, by my notes here, and t- but 2021. Um, so there are a couple of things that came out this week, and I'm just gonna you know throw these things out there and just to get your guys' thoughts. Um, you know, you guys can touch on a couple of different things, but the main thing here is um, Matt Reeves, which is the, who's the director of the Batman, says the movie is on track to start shooting at the end of this year, um, and. He actually took to Twitter to answer a lot of fans' questions, um, and he hasn't been active on Twitter since late last year. So this is kind of a, a bit of a surprise to see him kind of touching on, you know, answering questions, you know, so freely and openly. And some of the questions he got was about the influences of regarding his uh, his preparation, you know, his script writing, you know, just kind of the mindset that he's in. And he actually touched on a couple of interesting uh, movies, which is for writing, he would listen to the soundtrack from Taxi Driver of all movies, and as well as kind of revisiting Chinatown, um, the Roman Polanski movie from um, the early late 60s, I believe, or early 70s somewhere. I'm not sure what year it was, Um, but uh, there's there's that going on. so that movie is expected to be start shooting at the end of this year. And to go along with that, J.K. Simmons, who plays the Commissioner Gordon, um, he doesn't know if he's going to be back. He would like to be back playing, you know, Commissioner Gordon in the movie, but he still hasn't heard anything from the studio. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. And just one last thing is we know that Ben Affleck left the uh, the batman project and but he's open to directing another movie for dc so take that for what it's worth so let me go ahead and start off by asking you guys about the uh, influences that reeves is taking on taxi driver and chinatown and i want to get you guys what do you think that could mean for the movie so brad what do you think those uh, movie properties or those references could mean for the batman movie well, judging by those references, it sounds like it's definitely going to make him a detective again with like a case to solve. Sounds, you know, sounds like it's going to be gritty and, uh, you know, I, and it's probably definitely going to have a 70s feel and probably a 70s look maybe for Gotham City. Maybe, you know, maybe like the police cars will be boxy sedans and, you know, it, you feel like you're watching like a 70s New York movie uh so that that could be cool yeah kelly what what do you think i mean i i like that he's taking the kind of noir edge to it but i mean gritty isn't new for batman movies it's not doing anything at least from you know what we know so far which isn't a whole lot we don't even know who's gonna play batman but a gritty batman movie isn't you know it's not exactly breaking any barriers so i'm just hoping that whatever they end up doing, it can carry itself against, you know, a whole library of, of other Batman movies that have probably had a similar feel. Right, right. Um, I think for the Batman movie, 
Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, now that you guys bring it up, the idea of like another greedy Batman movie, it's kind of like, wow, okay, we've kind of seen that before. And, you know, if you guys have been reading, you know, for those of you out there that have read, that are, you know, read Batman during the New 52 era, like I'm reminded of like the, you guys remember the Zero Year um, books? And if you guys remember, I mean, that was like a classic Batman story. It's still very much a Batman, but, you know, it was it had like this crazy pink and red skies. But yet it still had a noir uh, feel to it um, just because it, but it was like a lot of high contrast. So, you know, I think that's interesting that you guys bring that up that, yeah, we've kind of seen that before. But, you know, I wonder if maybe they can take it in a new direction, you know, based off of you know things that we've seen in the comics recently but 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 what do you guys think about um in terms of uh like for example like taxi driver if you you guys have seen it it's you know it's really dark it's very like very violent um especially towards the end um but it kind of had enjoys this kind of cult following uh if you will uh do you guys think that matt reeves might be going for something along those lines yeah, sure. And and we haven't seen any footage from the Joker film either. So mm. I wonder if that would kind of have any influence because that looks like it's going kind of in that same route too. Kind of like the grittier, more, you know, taxi driver type. Right, right. Kelly, what do you what do you think? You think there's kind of a relationship between the Joker and the Batman movies? Um, I mean if there is, I don't think it's intentional, but and so far what I've seen from the Joker movies, just picture-wise, and from how, I guess, enthusiastic the people working on it seem, it looks like it'll be good. But again, I mean, it's it's not new for Batman. So I'm hoping, mm-hmm. I mean, a good script is a good script. If they write a solid movie and the actors are, you know, dedicated to actually playing the character really well, then it'll probably still be good. Um, you know, but I think them sharing a tone might not be intentional, just more that's what people bring to the table when they write Batman. Right, right. And let me ask you guys, what do you, what did you guys think about the uh, the Ben Affleck news, the fact that, you know, he's interesting in maybe not returning to Batman, but maybe working on another uh, DC project. I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with his, direct, his directing work, but, you know, just wondering, do you think that'll be a good thing or a bad thing? Kelly, what, what do you think? Do you think uh, Ben Affleck should direct another... DC movie or try get another chance? Well, I'm not really at all that familiar with him as a director, but I know I was disappointed when they said that he was going to be Batman only because I look at him and I see Ben Affleck, so I can't project, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I can't project other characters onto him. So the whole time he played Batman, it was just, I'm watching Ben Affleck in a Batman costume, was like that I just couldn't get into it. So I don't want to say he, you know, is or isn't going to be an okay director, but I don't know. I wouldn't be upset if he just didn't really have anything to do with the DC universe anymore. Brad, what do you think? Do you think uh, Ben Affleck should get another shot? Well, I, I, I agree with Kelly that I think the major problem with his Batman was that you saw Ben Affleck. But. I really do. I do like the movies that he directs. I really like Gone Baby Gone. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like The Town. Uh, in fact, I think he's a better director than he is uh, an actor. Uh, so, in theory, I, I would I would like to see what he would do with the DC property. I guess it would depend on you know exactly what it was. 
Um, but you know, you, you, despite all the Batman talk and in the Joker talk that we just did, DC might be trying to go for something a little bit lighter. I mean, you know, Aquaman hugely successful, and that wasn't a dark movie really at all. It was bright, and um, so I don't know if his tone really fits because a lot of the movies he directs are kind of dark as well. So it would just depend to me. It would depend on what exactly the property was that he was working with. Right, right. Now you kind of brought up a good point there, which is you know kind of like the dark tone and another movie that is kind of actually in the opposite, going in the opposite direction in terms of getting production going is The Flash. And uh, there was a uh, news article uh, this week with regards to um, kind of like some of the uh, behind the scenes or kind of the uh, the behind the scenes dealings in terms of kind of the politics around that exists in Hollywood. And the new story is that Ezra Miller is teaming up with Grant Morrison to write a darker Flash script. Um, and the th- really interesting thing about this is, you know, there is, there's two guys that are already working on the script. And uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. So they're already working on a script. Uh, and by all accounts, it is a kind of more lighter, a funnier uh, tone for the movie. At least that's the approach they're taking. And if you're not familiar with those guys, those guys come from, you know, they made, they worked on Spider-Man Homecoming and Game Night. Um, those are really kind of, you know, tonally, they're very light. Um, but Ezra Miller, who plays a Flash, um, he thinks they should go in the other way. The, he thinks they should have a more darker tone for the movie. And I think it's interesting the fact that he has, you know, kind of tapped the shoulder of Grant Morrison, who is venerated and you know well respected in the comic book industry, uh, to kind of team up with him and you know kind of give some more weight to kind of their pitch for the Flash movie. So, you know, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on. You know, what direction do you think the Flash movie should take? Do you like the the light tone that the uh, you know the, scre- the screenwriters have already taken on Warner Brothers' approach? That I think they're leaning more towards that kind of like the like you know the more Aquaman Shazam style, or do you think the Flash should go? You know, they should go with the uh, with the Ezra and Grant Morrison's pitch for a story and going a darker route. Um, so let me start off with Kelly. Kelly, like, what do you think? Which direction should they go with a Flash movie? I mean, I I like Grant Morrison as a writer. I like Ezra Miller as an actor. But specifically with Flash, you know, as it, if it were to take a darker tone, I think people who don't read comics aren't as familiar with, um, you know, I guess the background of Flash as a character might only remember him, you know, in the way that he is in something like, the you know the animated Justice League that was out um oh god that was early 2000s maybe it's where 20 years ago yeah yeah geez, I'm getting old but yeah, um <laughs> way to date us <laughs> <laughs> but I think I I I'm not sure that a dark flash would necessarily read to you know just kind of a general public audience but at the same time, it's, you know, it is different for the character. It's just not very different for DC movies to do, you know, again, edgy, dark, that kind of thing. Right. Brad, what do you think? Which direction would you take? 
Uh, I think I would prefer a lighter take on uh, on the character. I don't I don't necessarily see the Flash as very tortured. Um, the Rogues Gallery can be played kind of funny as well. Uh, so I think I would prefer a lighter tone. Uh, but I'm sure that I don't, I don't know if it'll ever get made. But that screen, I'm sure that that screenplay that Grant Morrison and Ezra Miller write would be a very interesting read. But I think I think at the end of the day, I think I I prefer a lighter tone. Yeah, I think for me, like I said, I, the way I known the Flash, it is more happier and upbeat and lighter. Even the book itself, it's just a. I mean, there's obviously dark things and bad things that happen in the book, but even just visually, it just it's a it's a brighter book. And I would like to see a movie, Flash movie that kind of adopts that. But the thing for me is Grant Morrison. Like, you throw that name out there, and it's like, it makes you wonder. It makes you stop and wonder, like, what could he possibly bring to this movie? And I think it's very smart for Ezra Miller to kind of not just say that he's working on a different script and say it's darker, but to attach Grant Morrison to it. I think the hardcore i think there's gonna be people out there that are you know in the hardcore like you know the con you know the readers the comic book readers you know i don't think they would have given a second thought to an ezra miller script but a grant miller i mean a grant morrison script i think that will make them you know stop and pause and you know another thing to note is his contract with you know with this character for ezra miller is up in may um so he could walk away from this movie. They can make a Flash movie that doesn't have Ezra Miller in it. And if it looks like the studio goes in the direction of the happier, go lucky tone, if you will, you know, Ezra Miller walks. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? Like, would you like, what do you guys think happens if Ezra Miller walks? Do you think that's a big loss for the movie? Or do you think it'll be, you know, fairly easy to find someone else? Um, Brad, what do you think? Uh, I think they could find somebody else. I, I think that, um, you know, DC, they they can play around with these characters so much, uh, so why not do it? I think Ezra Miller's a good Flash, but I don't think that they couldn't pull it off without him. Kelly, Kelly what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it was bold of him to, uh, I mean, if his contract is up in two months, it's kind of bold of him to do something that's directly against the progress that was already being made. But then at the same time, I mean he's doing something with Grant Morrison and it's going to be dark and it's his vision for the character. And I think we've seen, you know, with Jason Momoa and Aquaman and then with um, Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn, that it's really important to have an actor that is dedicated to the character and to telling the best story for that character as possible. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, it's kind of a toss up there where if he were to stay, I do think a really good movie would be made, but then, you know, would it be a tone that, fans would feel fit flash is another story right i i just i i personally find this stuff uh fascinating just you know because just last week we were talking about how you know there was an interview with Ezra miller and he was talking about like oh you know we're just trying to get things right but lo and behold there is a you know distinct creative difference between the teams you know that's kind of why this movie has been held up for so long it's just the actors and the writers just can't agree on what is you want to bring to the screen. Um, I think it'll be somewhat, you know, I hate to say it, but if they recast, you know, the flash is not like he kind of drove 
the his image of his uh, portrayal of the Flash like deep in our psyche. So if he walks away from the project, like that'll be a shame. But you know, like you know, like Brad said, I mean, they can find someone else, and then obviously we can, you know, drive the internet crazy with who should uh, play the Flash. Um, so moving on from that story, um, we're gonna go ahead and touch on, and this is just a rumor. I gotta throw that out there. This is just a rumor, but there is a rumor that there is a JSA movie in development at Warner Brothers. Um, and at first, this kind of, you know, it's a rumor, it kind of came out of nowhere. But if you recall, you know, last week we talked about how they were looking to have Hawkman and Stargirl be in the Black Adam movie that, you know, just is in its fourth or fifth year of development now, which is supposed to star um, doing The Rock Johnson. Um, so I could kind of see them moving in that direction based off of Black Adam and our very own Jeff Testanero, you know, he wrote the article uh, on this, on this story. And, you know, I think it's, I think the studio can go in that direction where you will have these characters pop in, in the Black Adam movie, and then they move on to a JSA movie. So, you know, I want to get your guys' thoughts on kind of their, the approach they're taking with the JSA being some characters being in Black Adam and just the idea of a JSA movie overall. Kelly, what do you think? Um, I think it would depend on, so if they were to do the JSA, would they keep it kind of a golden age sort of 40s vibe to it? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. They would go for a uh, 40s, 50s era type of movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would be cool. I, I personally would be into that. And they could also use that if they're really trying to do, you know, funnier, more lighthearted movies. There's a ton to play around with with that, because if we think, um, you know, pre-1950s patriotic America, it's a lot more, I think there's a lot a lot of ways that they could make it kind of silly and tongue-in-cheek. But then at the same time, will, um, you know, are fans going to, one, recognize the JSA as, you know, if, if it's someone who has just been seeing the movies, are they going to look at that and be like, well, what is this team? Like, what is the difference between this and the Justice League? Is this just, you know, the old Justice League? I feel like it, that could cause some confusion. But I think it'd be a good idea for a project. And if those characters show up in other movies as well, um, you know, then at least it would familiarize the audience with them. Yeah. Brad, what, what do you think about a JSA movie or potential JSA movie? I love that we're at a place where we can see these types of characters that not everybody knows get, you know, like the Doom Patrol, get a live action adap- uh, adaptation. So I'm all for it. But I, I wish that they could get some of these productions of these other films on more of a sturdy track first, like the Batman, like, uh, like Black Adam, uh, like the Flash you know like gotham city sirens um i don't want too much on dc's plate uh but uh once once they get their ducks in a row then then yeah i would look forward to seeing these characters and and, and i i like the idea of these characters becoming familiar with more people who don't necessarily pick up a comic book uh some of these characters you know the golden age versions of these characters aren't as familiar and it would be kind of cool to see mainstream audience movie going audience get exposed to them as well and that would be very easy to do in a situation where they pop in in other movies before they have their own 
Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing here is uh, to you know we see Hawkman and Stargirl in a in a Black Adam movie first, and then it kind of take you kind of now there's a spinoff and it goes into JSA. I, I actually was talking to uh, our editor in chief Josh about JSA, and you know I just kind of threw out the idea. You know I kind of would like to see JSA as a uh, TV show, maybe as like an, an anthology style where you kind of would do something one year and maybe have like the original JSA for one season and then kind of move on to a different iteration of the JSA for the second year. Um, I think that's something I would like to see, but but yeah, but I I agree with you, Brad, that, you know, it really is a great time where we have all these characters that are, you know, there's so much you, you hear all these movies and characters that are being developed. Like, you know, don't forget there's, you know, supposedly a Justice League Dark movie, uh, a Lobo movie, you know, all these characters that get thrown out. And I think right now they're just trying to see what sticks. Um, and then rumor, it is it is a rumor, so um, we have to keep that in mind. But it, it really is a great time to just imagine the possibility in terms of what characters they might use yeah. um, to make a movie out of. Um, so let me, let's go ahead and wrap up our uh, news coverage. Uh, or, or our movie coverage for this week, and uh, let's try to end on a light note. Um, I don't know if you guys seen it, but there is a trailer for the animated feature Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts and reactions if you guys saw the trailer. Uh, Brad, did you get a chance to see the trailer this week? Yes, yeah, all right. What did, did you think? Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, I'm not a super huge fan of these types of crossovers, but the, you know, we talk about tone a lot on this podcast so far, but the tone of this seemed like very kid friendly and the animation style seems, um, kind of fun kid like in a way. Mm-hmm. And I could see this as something where, you know, older nerds watch this with their kids to get them interested in batman (laughs) and and, you know in the teenage mutant ninja characters and the voice casting that they got they've got some really good people here from both like voiceover work and actors and actresses to participate um so i think that's really cool um you know john dimaggio who does the voice of jake the dog and bender Mm -hmm. uh tara strong um you know uh and who else here? Uh, Tom Kenny, it's great. And they have you know um, Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live is Michelangelo, right, right. and it's just it's a very cool voice cast. I think it's it's kind of like the usual suspects, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like John yeah. DiMaggio and Tara Strong. Uh, uh, and Ke- and Kelly Troy Wood- Baker. Oh right, right, right. Of course, we got to have Troy Baker. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You can't make anything without Troy right. Baker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kelly, what did, what did you think about the uh, trailer? Or the, I mean, just overall the idea of a uh, Batman and TM, TMNT movie. I really like the idea. I mean, I just as a kid, I remember seeing like the Batman and Scooby Doo, Matt, or you know that crossover, yes. Yes, and so. thinking that was so cool. So like, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm not a kid anymore, obviously, but I still feel like I'd enjoy watching it. And it's one of those things that you know is people who have been fans for of, of both franchises for a while it you know there's a lot more to think about in terms of will it work will it be cool for both characters um you know but especially if it's aimed at kids they're not gonna care it's just gonna be 
characters that they know or characters that they're interested in together, which is just as good. I, yeah, like I, I saw the trailer and I thought, yeah, it just looks like fun. It's not, you know, under the Red Hood or any, you know, these deep kind of like animated features. It's uh, it's it's just it's good old fashioned fun. Like Brad says, it's for all the old nerds that want to show it off to their kids. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it'll be fun. And uh, I do like the uh, there's also, you know, from the trailer. Uh, you see a lot of the characters like, you know, you see uh, Rachel Gould, you see Shredder, Joker, but then you also have like, you know, Robin and Batgirl uh, helping out Batman. Um, and then all the, all, you know, all four turtles are there. So like I said, it's kind of like a mashup. And uh, I think it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So with that, um, you know, before we jump into the uh, TV and streaming news, you know, we're going to take a, a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And we're back. So let's go ahead and jump into the uh, DC television and streaming news. And this week, it's kind of leans more heavily on the uh, streaming side. Um, for those of you that have the DC Universe streaming app, um, you know, I hope you guys have had the opportunity to enjoy the TV shows, the original TV shows that are exclusive to that service. Um, whether it's Titans, Doom Patrol, or Young Justice. Um, but there's some news that came out this week that for a limited time only, I believe it is from March 15th through the 29th, you will be able to see the first episodes of each of these television shows. Now, that, once again, that's Titans, Doom Patrol, and Young Justice. You should be able to watch these shows and you know, kind of give people an opportunity to check it out. And, you know, they don't have to put any info or credit card information or email or anything like that. They can just go on and just check out the first episode. So, uh, Brad, let me go to you. Uh, what do you think about this opportunity for people to check out these episodes? Have you had a chance to check out uh, and watch all these shows? Yeah, um, I I love this idea because I think that for two reasons, I think that the shows deserve as big audience as possible. So letting them get out to people beyond a paywall is a good idea to get more subscribers. And it's a, my second reason is that it's kind of selfish, but I just I want this streaming service to thrive because I love the idea of having all those shows at one location where I can go if I want to watch them. It's so convenient and such a such a great selection that you don't really have anywhere else. So I like that they're doing this and I hope it gets some more subscribers. Right, I, I I've I kind of agree with you there. I am, you know, I got the uh, the streaming service kind of like day one when it came out. I just kind of wanted to get it and just check it out and play around with it. And uh, you know, in the early days, it was really bare in terms of uh, content. 
and uh, especially with the comic books, it was very sparse. Uh, but you know, I've been watching Doom Patrol, and I think that is a an amazing show. It's fantastic. I love Doom Patrol, um, and the fact that you know I want to talk to people about it and get them to, you know, hey, check out this this television show. Um, it's great, but it's hard because you know you then you have to tell them, oh, but it's on uh, another streaming service. They're kind of like, well, I'm not really going to sign up for another service just because of one television show. So the idea that they can, you know, I actually did it today. I told my coworkers, hey, Doom Patrol, you can watch the pilot. And that pilot is fantastic. I, I absolutely adore it. Um, and, you know, like you said, I, I really, Brad, um, just to go along with what you're saying, the idea of being able to share with other people, especially, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a lot of buzz going around on another superhero or comic book show, which is Umbrella Academy. Oh, it's um, so good. Yeah, yeah. I, see, love, I, it, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I keep hearing about it. And, you know, that's great. And it's on Netflix. And a lot of people have Netflix, so they can just, you know, I, I can watch it tonight, you know, because I have a Netflix account. And I think Umbrella Academy is getting a lot of the attention, and deservedly so you know, for being a really great show, but Doom Patrol is kind of left out in the cold. Um, at least that's how I, I, I take it. Um, but yeah, uh, Kelly, I know you mentioned that you weren't too, you know, you haven't checked out Doom Patrol yet. Uh, does the idea of being able to watch the pilot by, you know, for free, does that entice you to check out the show? It's, um, you know, I think it's a really good idea. I actually, I have the streaming service, so I, it's more of out of just sheer okay. laziness that I haven't seen it yet. But, <laughs> I mean, in terms of um, Umbrella Academy and how well that's doing, if if I'm not totally off here, I think uh, Gerard Way had or wrote that or had a huge hand in the yeah. actual comic for that, too. Mm-hmm. And then Doom Patrol was, you know, recently in Young Animal, uh, his imprint for DC. So I think... If anything, how well Umbrella Academy is doing might pull some people over to check out the, you know, the Doom Patrol pilot. Just, uh, yeah, if, was, you know. Yeah, I was hoping that too. It's like he's having a real renaissance. So I was totally hoping that that brings more people to check out the Doom Patrol. Right. And I mean, how yeah. weird is it that he's the person who did that? Because, I mean, that yeah. blew my mind. Absolutely yeah. blew my mind when Young Animal, like that whole line came out. And it was like, wait, the My Chemical Romance guy? But yeah, and that's... Yeah insane never when i was listening to uh black parade did i think that <laughs> we'd have like a <laughs> tour de force comic book creator on our hands but yeah, yeah you know it, just quick quick side note so i think it was two years ago i went to WonderCon um in anaheim and i remember it was a it was a panel for young animals and gerard way was there and that place was packed and, and it was just, and you know, I knew who Jared Wade was. Like I knew his movies. Like I know My Chemical Romance, um, but I wasn't too familiar with kind of his, you know, his work in the comic book industry. And, and so to be in there and to be in that room, and then he walks out, and just the whole room just loses it. <laughs> you know, it loses. I think uh, there was a lot more, you know, MCR fans than people that read the books. But <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, it's 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 really great that he's, you know, he's he's not just kind of like oh you know let me dabble in these books um a little bit here no he he's very passionate about yeah he's a definite uh, fan 
sure. yeah he, he's a fan he's a fan um but yeah i mean if you get anything out of this podcast folks just please go watch doom patrol it's that good <laughs> i know i'm hyping it up so much but it, yeah it's it's really great um so moving along now uh you know, speaking of the TV shows, there's another one on the uh, streaming service, and that is Titans. And it just wrapped up its first season not too long ago. Um, but again, for people that don't have the streaming service app, they'll be able to own it soon on digital, Blu-ray, and on DVD. Uh, the digital uh, edition will come out first. That is expected to drop March 21st. So that's that's this week. So you should be able to catch uh, season one of Titans on this week and i believe the blu-ray slash dvd uh editions are going to be coming out a little bit later this year there has i didn't think i saw a date specifically on you know on online but it should come out just before uh season two um so did you guys get a brad did you did you watch uh, all of uh titans i have one more episode okay. to watch um but i i've kept up with it pretty much you know i i Except for Doom Patrol, I'm trying. I I find it a better experience if I watch it all at once when I can binge it instead of waiting a week. So I kind of postponed watching a lot of Titans until more of it was out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as you know, the digital release and the DVD Blu-ray release, like I said before, if that gets more people to watch it and gets the buzz going about these shows more, expose it to a bigger audience, then the sooner the better. And maybe that's why DC decided to do it now because, you know, it's people are, you know, maybe not to the, quite the level of Umbrella Academy, but they are talking about Doom Patrol a lot. I've seen a lot of things pop up in my Facebook feed, which is better Doom Patrol or Umbrella Academy. You know, if you like Umbrella Academy, you should be watching Doom Patrol, that kind of stuff. So um, getting it out while people can, you know, have an interest in it is great just to get more people to watch it. Right. Kelly, uh, did you, are you caught up on Titans or where are you exactly? I'm not caught up. I think I'm probably about halfway through. And honestly, I am still stunned that it was, you know, I think it was when I watched it, I got up to where it was currently and then just haven't, you know, been back to finish it. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I mean, I was stunned that it was as good as it was. Me and my roommate put it on intending to laugh at it and then like an episode in we were like oh wow this is we're actually watching this seriously <laughs> and i mean it, it definitely sold me on keeping the streaming service um you know out of that's you know a good quality well done show and then there's also really silly stuff that you find on there like have you seen the i've only ever seen the like cover that i scroll past but for the 2006 aquaman show and it just, it looks like an ad for Baywatch, except it's apparently Aquaman. And I I haven't gotten to watch that yet, but I'm really excited to see what that mess was. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like you said, there's a couple of little interesting references in there. Obviously, the biggest one is the, uh, there's um, there's a Doom Patrol episode in Titans. Um, but it's... I want to say, you know, again, for, for those that haven't seen Doom Patrol yet, it, there's a couple of things that are different, um, way different, tonally, um, especially and with the actor portrayals. Uh, I actually, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it just, it's very different. And 
so don't ex- don't look at that episode of Titans and go into Doom Patrol expecting to see the same thing because uh, it's just very different. Um, but speaking about Titans and you know the second season will be upon us very soon, and there was some news this week, um, very big news that actor Isai Morales will be playing Deathstroke in the upcoming second season of Titans, and. You know, for those of you out there, if you know Titans, you know Deathstroke, you know how interlocked uh, these characters are um, with iconic, you know, stories from the comic books. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on first the announcement of Deathstroke in the second season and the actor. Your thoughts on the actor, Isai Morales, playing Deathstroke. Um, Kelly, let me start off with you. What, what, What do you think? I think it's going to be cool. I mean, I um, I would say Titan, Teen Titans were probably the first team I really got into when I started to read comics. Um, you know, and then with the show that was on before, with him being Slade and the whole um, Judas contracts line, I think it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see him come into Titans and what they do with it specifically. All right. Brad, what, what do you think? Yeah, I was exactly thinking the same thing about the Judas contract. Like, I hope that they can weave that in. And given what we've seen in the first season, I think that Destro could be a real badass. And uh, I kind of can't wait to see him tear up the scenery in the second season. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I, I, I really like Deathstroke. I like Deathstroke as a character, in, in, you know, in the comics. Uh, I like him in the movies, Joe Manganiello playing Deathstroke. Um, I like Deathstroke in the Arrow television show, to be quite frank. Um, I thought he was a big part of uh, that second season um, in terms of that TV show, really making it uh, strong. Um, as for the actor, Isai Morales, I'm not too familiar with him. I think uh, I know him from a couple of things here and there, most prominent, prominently. I know him from the movie My Family, Mi Familia, which if you're a Latino and then you grew up in... California the way I did you watch that movie <laughs> um, you know so um, I think he was really great in that movie and in the kind of a, a lot of other things that he's been there here and there um, so let me ask you guys you guys are are you familiar with his work at all have you had a chance to see him in any other things Brad have you had a chance to see Morales mm-hmm. in any other movies not projects? a lot but he has he's been in the business for a long time now he was in mm-hmm. La Bamba so he definitely you know he's Definitely got the experience in the years in to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Kelly, are you familiar with his work at all? Or? Yeah, I've seen La Bamba, but I'm not, you know, I don't remember him in it as much. I mean, it was years ago when I saw that. But no, other than that, I'm not at all familiar with him. So it'd be interesting to see, which, I mean, kind of the reverse of the Ben Affleck thing, where it's, I just see Ben Affleck. It's totally, we'll just see, um, you know, Deathstroke, which mm. I'm excited about. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Like, uh, I think he's a good actor. And again, we're excited that Deathstroke will be in the second season of Titans. So, yeah, I'm ex- looking forward to it. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the comic book news for the week. And, you know, we talk a lot about movies. We talk a lot of television shows. But we do also love comics here at DC Comics News. And, you know, unfortunately, I got to start off with a little bit of some sad news this week. And if you looked at the solicitations for June 2019, 
And if you look closely, you will see that certain titles will be ending, or at least they are marked with the final issue notation in their, uh, you know, description. And they include Naomi, The Silencer, and Wildstorm. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on these books. Have you guys, you know, read these books? I know Brad, Brad, you're pretty familiar with uh, Naomi. And uh, um, yeah, let me get your thoughts. What do you, what do you think about this news? Well, I was... If they can tell, uh, you know, if they can tie up the story, then so be it. Uh, I'd like to see it continue. Uh, and I thought maybe that it was called season one is ending. So maybe it will yeah. come back, uh, which I hope it does. Because uh, I kind of, you know, I, I went to New York Comic Con at the Bendis panel and he was saying that Naomi is kind of setting up a big mystery in the DC universe. And that's kind of what picked my interest. So I hope it's kind of one of those things that turn out like, you know, maybe in a couple of years, they have a big event and they say, we've been hinting at this at years way back in Naomi issue one. So mm. I, I, that's, that makes me sad that it, that it's ending, but if it's just the first season, then I just hope it can return. Cause I did, I did like that title. All right. Kelly, what do you think about the, uh, did you have a chance to read these books or? I read, I picked up Naomi and never got, actually got to read it. Um, I've read a decent amount of Silencer, though, and I am sad to see it ending, but then I feel like with just comics as a whole, even when characters are dead, like, they're, no one's ever really gone. Nothing's right. ever really over. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we'll just get to see them again in something else, or, you know, like you were saying down the line, um, you know, if there's some sort of an event or something like that that they show up in again, then... I mean, you know, fine. If a if the story ends where it has to end, I'd rather that happen than, you know, keep pushing and pushing and run out of material. Right. I to be quite honest, I was really stunned by Silencer. I felt out of all the titles that came out of that, you know, that banner of the I think it was called the New Age of, of Heroes or something like that. But you know, it was it was a list of books that came out right after Dark Knight's Metal. And, you know, there was Damage and Silencer and Sideways, uh, you know, the Terrifics and, you know, all these all these different books that came out around the same time. And they, they've kind of, for the most part, they've all been canceled. And I, I always thought Silencer would be kind of like the one that would outlast them all. Um, I just think that's such a great character um, and just such a cool power set, to be quite honest. I mean, the, uh, you know, an assassin that can, you know, I guess cut out sound. You know, I, I think that is just so cool. And even from a live action or even like a from a video game standpoint, like I think that would be so cool uh, to be able to see that in the character. So, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think, you know, that's the, the end then. I think we'll see Silencer somewhere down the line. Um, I wasn't too familiar with Wildstorm. Um, I read maybe a first batch of issues uh, when it came out, but you know, and let, let me ask you guys something, um, just to kind of touch on the cancellation of books, because I know it's something that's kind of been brought up, uh, at least I've been heard you know, in the last couple of weeks, and, and that is, you know, DC and their kind of publishing strategy. Um, I know not too long ago, uh, Comics Pro happened in charlotte a few weeks ago 
and a lot of feedback they you know dc got and when a lot of the you know comic book publishers they got from retailers was that there's just way too many books out there and you know we know that dc prices also went up from three dollars when rebirth started to four dollars so let me get you guys thoughts you know maybe we can dive into this a little bit deeper and i would love to hear what you guys think of you know kind of like their publishing strategy and you know all the cancellations and like new books that come out you know every so often from dc like what do you think about you know their overall uh, strategy brad what, what do you think about dc's publishing strategy overall uh, you know, as a person, you know, personally, I, <laughs> I prefer the trades actually when mm-hmm. they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost, it takes something really important or, you know, unique to grab me to want to pick it up on the stands. And one of the, one of the reasons I think is just that $4 for a comic is kind of cost prohibitive to most most people's budgets and you know back when <laughs> this shows my age but when i first started collecting comics were 60 cents mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so that's a that's it's come a long way from 60 cents to four dollars so i think generally people have to be pickier about what they about what they pick up uh and dc's a business they see what's what's doing well for them and what's not and you can't blame them for wanting to cut back a bit but at the end of the day as long as the stories are good keep pumping them out right right kelly what do you think yeah um i mean i'm a little disappointed to see how many um how many books that seem feel like they just started have been canceled recently um because i know sideways ended not that long ago and a couple of the other ones and i mean it's disappointing it's I like the idea that they're willing to give books a try, but it is, I mean, you know, we people can afford to buy, you know, 30 different issues every single week. Um, and just with the price going up in general, if a, you know, if a trade is what, like 15, 16 bucks, then a lot of people are going to end up waiting for those instead of just buying the copies every week, which then, you know, if you're not seeing the sales number as much, they're probably going to end up canceling titles that, uh, you know, otherwise would have been good if they got to run a little bit longer. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, it's been a while, but I remember doing the math, and I think uh, adjusted for inflation, comic books are, I, I think back then, like when I started collecting comics, like comics were like a dollar, dollar twenty-five, and I think adjusted for inflation that comes out to just a little over three dollars. Um, so, I mean, $3 is kind of reasonable, in my opinion, but obviously that's not the case today with $4 and sometimes $5 issues. Um, I know, I forget what I picked up this week, but I know one of the books I picked up this week, a couple of them were 5 bucks. Um, Yeah, I think as someone who, uh, you know, for example, like Rebirth, during the Rebirth era, I purchased pretty much every title that came out. Um, they were three dollars and you know it was really you know you can pick up eight books for 25 bucks and now it's down to four or five books with 25 dollars and that's almost half that's you know that that's that's half of the books that i used to buy that i don't buy anymore um so i kind of have to make some tough choices when it comes to what i want to read these days um 
And yeah, it, it's sad to see, especially books that literally just came out a few months ago um, get canceled like this. It it kind of that's one of the things that frustrate me frustrates me sometimes about like image comics is you know they obviously they love to have new stuff and you'll see a lot of new number ones but then either the artist works on something else so you won't see the book for a couple months or it, they just decide to move on and it just gets canceled you know altogether um you know i'm still waiting for scott snyder to go back to witches <laughs> you know um, but yeah. I love that. I love that book. Um, I, I remember I even I was was it WonderCon or San Diego. I asked Scott Snyder at a panel. I asked him, when are you going back to witches? He's like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'll, I'll go back to it soon. Um, and that was before metal. And we all know what happened after metal. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think I would love to see their a pullback in terms of a number of issues. If they keep it at four dollars, I would love to see three dollars again, to be quite honest. I. Three dollars, I will buy so much more if if it's three bucks. I mean, that would get me excited. Um, especially for me, who likes to buy variants, depending on who the artist is. I, it's like oh, I gotta, you know, I'm spending four bucks just to get a comic book cover. Um, but you know, that's that's just the way it goes. Um, but yeah, it's sad to see these books go. And you know, I know we were just talking about you know dc kind of pulling back but now we have to talk about new comics or new properties stories from dc and that is in under their dc inc and their dc dc zoom line excuse me there um so you know it was just we just saw that a there's going to be a couple of new books that are coming out pretty soon um for the dc zoom and dc inc and if you guys aren't familiar with those uh, publishing banners. The DC Zoom is kind of aimed towards uh, young children um, around, you know, ages 8 to 12. And then the DC Ink line is more kind of like the young adult line, kind of, uh, you know, 13 and up in that high school age. Um, so, you know, looking at the story, there's, they have a lot of books that are expected to come out between now and January of next year. And, you know, there's a lot to list here. I don't want to just go off and list everything on here. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts, see if, if there was any particular uh, book or title that you saw on the list that kind of grabs your attention. Or is this even an area that you are even in remotely interested in? Like, are you guys interested in seeing these kind of kid and young adult versions of your favorite superheroes? Uh, Brad, let me uh, start off with you, if I may. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of these, like I, I, I've mentioned before, like anything that gets people in the bookstores and in the comic book shops, I'm all for it. <laughs> and the the young reader, they, they've gotten some pretty good writing talent from the YA world to mm -hmm. write some of these stories that I think are going to bring in uh, bring in some people. And I think the, the secret spiral of Swamp Kid looks very entertaining i think i will read that even if i'm not with eight to twelve <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, and I just I, I can't get the picture out of my head of some kid reading the swamp kid book and then somehow randomly oh i like swamp thing let's pick up like alan moore's first book and then blowing his mind and making him a comic fan for life <laughs> That's kind of what I want to. See. That's kind of what I want to see happen. <laughs> that would be like someone just walks up to him and just asks him like, "What do you think?" <laughs> that'd be that'd be really funny. 
Uh, Kelly, what do you think? What do you think about this, uh, these publishing banners? And are there any books that kind of stand out to you that you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea. There's the only way there's going to be comic book fans in the future is if they still, you know, manage to hit a younger base now. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, like, I saw one of the, what is it, the, the DC comic heroes, the, the girls one with, um, oh, wow, I totally forgot what it's called right now. The, uh, there's a DC superhero girls, the, uh, yeah, that one. Metropolis yep. High. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen one of the movies for, I guess that's a TV show too. And yeah. if you could totally suspend your disbelief in everything that you know about the backgrounds of the characters and whatnot, it's actually a really fun ride to right. watch. So, I mean, if that's what the books are like as well, then I think it's a good idea because, I mean, again, when you're a little kid, you don't necessarily consider, does this make sense as a plot or does this make sense for the character? It's just, if it's fun to look at and you're enjoying the story, then it's, you know, it's good. So I think, I think that'll be, you know, hopefully a pretty successful line. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I have to admit and I have to confess that I, I'm actually, I like the DC Superhero Girls uh, brand of, you know, those cartoons. And like I said, it's, it's, I'm just a big fan of the the women characters in DC. I just think that is kind of deep, one of DC's strongest um, kind of, you know, to have Wonder Woman and Supergirl and, you know, f- f- um you know, Batgirl, which I who I adore, like to see Harley Quinn, obviously. I mean, the list goes on and on. But to see, you know, these characters kind of in any format, to be quite honest, I just really anything related to like the DC women, I I'm all for. And you know, if you want to dive into any specific characters, like I, you know, like I think I saw like a Black Canary book. Um, you know, there's some Green Lanterns and you know books and. The cat, there's the, uh, I guess, the Under the Moon, a Catwoman tale. Like, Mira. And we were just talking about uh, Mira two weeks ago um, with Tidebreaker and that mm-hmm. young adult graphic novel and just how great it looks. Uh, it just immediately caught my attention the way it looks. And, you know, there was even a little, like, motion comic commercial for it. Um, so that I probably wouldn't have given this a second thought. But just looking at it, I'm like, I'm sold. Like, I want to read that. Um so I think uh, I think it's great. Like to be quite honest, I yeah, it's geared towards kids, young adults. That's great. But I think adults can enjoy this stuff too. Uh, I think you just kind of have to approach it differently than you would the traditional books, and know that you're not getting, you know, you're not going to get, you know, extreme violence and gore and you know, you know, over sexualized situations or anything like that. You just it's it's for kids, and you have to approach it that way. And and I think if you do, you know, you're going to have a, a great time. So again, yeah, I think that's that's really awesome. Um, so moving on um, with comic book news, the you know there was in the a story this week where um, super under it's another label, publishing label, which is the uh, DC Black label. Um, this June we'll be publishing Superman Year One, and Superman Year One will be written by. Uh, Frank Miller and well, it's a collaboration between Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Um, so before I, you know, I get into this, let me ask you guys first: like, what do you guys think about uh, Superman Year One? And uh, let me start off with Kelly. Kelly, what, are you looking forward to Superman Year One? Um, uh, I mean, 
Honestly, it's the year one titles confuse me so much. Only out of, I, I constantly feel like I'm seeing a new year one. And at this point, I've just lost track. But if, it, I mean, if it's done well and it's a different take on Superman that kind of, I guess, goes in a different direction, then I, I think I would check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, just just to uh, clarify, it's it's going to be based off of kind of like the Smallville. It's going back into the uh, Smallville Superman origin story era of the character. Um, but yeah, Brad, Brad, what do you think? Are you looking forward to uh, this title? I am. I think that Frank Miller and John Armita Jr. can make a hell of a team. Uh, mm. Frank Miller has lost his mind a little bit lately, <laughs> uh, you know, which kind of breaks my heart, but. Mm. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to give him a chance on this, and I'm really I'm really liking the covers. I'm really liking the art on the covers. I'm kind of picturing how this would look, you know, in the interior of the book itself. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I mean, just it's 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 Frank freaking Miller. <laughs> you know, it's I I he's definitely one of my favorite writers of all time, and. To see him take this approach to Superman, and especially going into the Smallville era, um, I'm like, what in the world are they going to do here? Um, I remember when they announced this title at WonderCon last year, they, the, just the image of that Clark, it's not even Superman, it's like Clark Kent, it's the silhouette of Clark Kent just floating in a, uh, in a bright blue sky, it just immediately just got me excited. Um and especially for Frank Miller, who is kind of more well-established for his dark and greedier tone on characters. It's what is he going to do in this, you know, <laughs> in this setting? You know, because, yeah, it's it's a small town, Smallville era. It's not, you know, the, you know, giant cityscapes of Metropolis or, you know, the dark, dirty alleys, dingy alleys of uh, Gotham. Um, and Johnny Romita, I mean... Goodness! Uh, again, another one of my favorite all-time artists. Uh, I just really love his his style, which is just kind of like I don't know how to describe it, but you can kind of see the thickness in the characters. They tend to be kind of shorter, stockier. They don't seem as long as other characters. You can see kind of like the thickness in in characters' fingers and in their physique. And I'm just a I'm just a big fan of John Romita, so yeah. I'm, and that's it's interesting that you say that because if you look on the cover, uh, that one cover, where it looks like he's kind of do I don't know, it looks like a blimp or something. I don't know. It looks like the first issue. Um, he looks young. He's got mm-hmm. that. He's he's got. He's not the the full figure physique like you get normally from him. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at that cover, I mean, you know, what I'm talking about is, like, look at the hands and look at the feet, like, the yeah. uh, kind of like squareness of the feet and the hands, um, that thickness uh, in that character. Um, I, It just looks different. Like, it, it's just when you see a Johnny Romita drawing, like, you can identify it right away. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this book. Um, who knows what the story's going to be, but, yeah, I can't wait. Um, let's go ahead and just keep moving along and uh, just a couple more stories um, before we wrap up but uh, I did want to touch on it's kind of kind of and kind of not related to DC anymore but if you guys remember uh, there was a title called Second Coming that was going to be originally published by DC 
comics a little while ago. Um, but unfortunately, the uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the outrage machine went into full effect, and you know, kind of. St- you know, they kind of started a uh, petition and, you know, calls for boycotting of DC Comics because of the portrayal of Jesus in a comic book and his portrayal as a quote-unquote failure, as they describe it. Um, so, unfortunately, DC had to, uh, you know, they canceled the book. and But they did give the creator, Mark Russell, um, the rights to it. They gave the rights back to him. And so that way he can go off and published it somewhere else and now you know thankfully he has found a new publishing home with ahoy comics and second coming will be coming out uh this summer and so you know i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on you know this comic and this whole story and just kind of uh you know what you guys think uh kelly let me start off with you like what did, what did you think about like you know this whole storyline i think i mean it sounds like it'll be really good the uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Jesus has a superhero roommate. Yes, and that's correct. That that whole idea of looking at the different ways that they might handle, which what what in their heads going to be doing the right thing or being a good person, where on one hand superheroes tend to do things a little bit more physically, and that was the exact opposite. Like that sounds like a really cool concept. It's kind of sad that it got canceled in the first place. Um, I mean, especially considering you can't actually say how Jesus is going to be portrayed in the book if it hasn't come out yet and no one's read it yet. Mm. Then, I mean, there's absolutely no way to say that, oh, he's going to look like this, this, or this, when the creators are saying he's going to, you know, look fine, look like Jesus in the book, which is, I mean, I I think it's silly that it got canceled in the first place, and I'm glad they still found some more to uh, publish it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brad, what do you think? I, I agree 100%. I wish DC wouldn't have caved, but it's not surprising that they found another publisher. But exactly, how can you uh, you know, attack something if you haven't read it? It's not out yet. And, and uh, Russell, Mark Russell even said that the portrayal of Jesus was not meant to be bad or anti-Christian even in this book. So you know the outrage machine before they even knew what the content was is pretty ridiculous you know and i bet ahoy's going to have a hit on their hands now because there's a controversy surrounding it so it's going to make people more interested in the book uh dc kind of might be missing out on that one yeah i think uh you know and i know we talked about this before but i was definitely uh, you know when i heard about this book i was like okay like that sounds something like i would check out and you know now that this whole controversy, you know, I hate to say it, but it, it pretty much, you know, I'm going to be looking for this book now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't read any other books, Ahoy Comics, but I'm going to be looking for this book now. And, you know, like you said, the 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 creator, he never touted this book as, you know, th- you know, great theology or anything in that respect. It's just a different perspective. It's a new, it's a different take on, you know, it's just a different way of looking at, at things. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate, like, you know, with the, uh, you know, with people and the outcry and, you know, just kind of ripping on the book again before they even have a chance to read it. And, you know, obviously, I don't want to get too much into it. And I know we're a DC podcast, but it's it's, you know, on the other side of the aisle, if you will, you know, with like with Captain Marvel and people ripping on the movie before it even comes out. It's like, well, 
you know, it's kind of like that things, and you kind of see it kind of work. Um, it's not necessarily like the Irish machine doesn't necessarily come from one particular, you know, side or or or, or whatever. It's just you know people will find things to be outraged about and you know this is another example of that but again i'm glad that they found a place to uh, to publish it you know if people don't want to read it then don't read it <laughs> then don't buy it you know it's yeah, as simple as that folks yeah. you know yeah i just, mean I, it's, it's funny to me because preacher is one of my all-time favorite comics <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and exactly. i said this before on this podcast <laughs> and there is no way that that would get published these days and then, yeah and that's just sad yeah i think that was the interesting thing was the uh because i don't know if it was being published under the vertigo uh label or not i don't remember but i mean if it was under vertigo i mean come on yeah like you said it's preacher it's lucifer it's oh my goodness there's there's just so many books that have been published under the vertigo label that have just been out there but um yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it you know things happen, but I mean, again, I'm going to be looking for this book now, and um, highly recommend people to at least give it a chance. Um, yeah, just to I guess we got one last story here uh, before uh, we start to close, and that is the Black Hammer Justice League crossover. Um, so you know Jeff Lemire, who writes Black Hammer, and for all accounts, it's it's gotten a lot of you know. You know, it's won an Eisner um, for best new title. Um, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with Black Hammer, so I was kind of wondering: Have you guys had a chance to read Black Hammer? Brad, have you had a chance to read Black I, Hammer? I've read a little bit, um, but you know, like I, I mentioned this earlier in this podcast, even that I'm not a super big fan of these type of crossovers. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Lemire is such an incredible writer. I love almost everything he does so that's picked my interest right off the bat that he's going to be writing this so uh i will probably end up checking this out yeah kelly do you, uh is this a crossover that you think you'll check out i'm definitely going to check it out i i read not all of black hammer but what i have read i've really enjoyed um the only thing i from just the synopsis they give, it does sound a little bit like Milk Wars, the crossover they did with uh, mm. all the young animal titles. Just right. the the warping reality, and they all have to kind of, uh, you know, I guess band together. It sounds very, very similar to that event. So I'm hoping it's good. I'm rooting for it to be good, but it, it might be one of those ones where I get the first one and then just never read any of the rest. Right, right, right. yeah. And and the, the good thing is, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's uh, yeah, it's uh, five issues. So, I mean, it's going to be a self-contained story. So, I mean, it's Jeff Lemire. Like Jeff Lemire is definitely one of the uh, one of the great writers of our of our you know of our time here. Um, and again, I'm not familiar with Black Hammer, but you know, I'll try to kind of get a little bit familiar with Black Hammer beforehand, and you know, that way I'll be all set to uh, check it out. Um, so, with that, um, that's it for our news. But you know. Similar to last week, I do want to take some time to acknowledge the uh, upcoming 80th anniversary of Batman. Um, that we're going to be celebrating. It's March 30th is the official day for uh, anniversary of the Batman. And you know, last week I, I asked the uh, other guys on the uh, on the podcast to just kind of touch on what their favorite uh, Batman property 
uh, is it can be either a movie, a television show, you know, graphic novel, book, whatever, or piece of art. Um, doesn't matter as long as it's Batman related. And, you know, just to share kind of like what that means to them and, you know, what the character of Batman means to them. So, you know, I wanted to go ahead and do the same thing here. And, you know, before we wrap up and um, let me go ahead and ask you guys, like, what is your favorite uh, Batman thing? Um, and uh, Kelly, uh, let me start off with you. What is your favorite Batman thing? Uh, I mean, I think probably the most important one that I've seen would, and you know, I don't even know if this counts as the Batman property. It was to say the Batman and Bill documentary on uh, Hulu. That's I, I don't know if you have you've ever seen that, but it's all about you know the his the story behind his creation and uh, you know just kind of the controversy between his quote unquote co creators. But oh, um, with uh, with with it was, I think it's called with Bill Finger. Yeah, yeah, that yes, was it. Yes, yeah. I saw that. Mm-hmm. That one was really, really good. I, I, as someone who's considered themselves a fan of Batman for pretty much my entire life, I was kind of stunned that I had no idea Bob Kane wasn't exactly the brains behind it. Um, you know, so seeing that documentary, I'd say a solid 15 years into being a fan of Batman was kind of jarring, but I think it's something that people have to or should watch, you know, just to know a little bit more about the history behind the character. And then in terms of, you know, actual, I guess, running titles, um, or no, that's not even running anymore, but I really liked Mother Panic when that was, um, Mm. you know, when that was still going. It was very much the same world as as Batman, the same Gotham, but, um, no, you know, at the same amount of gritty, but still just a different story, and it was a fun ride while it was, you know, while it lasted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really glad you brought up the, uh, the With Bill Finger documentary that I remember I saw that and I, I was just blown away by kind of the history and just how little, and, you know, we don't know that much about Bill Finger. And, you know, and just to clarify, you know, for those that don't know, but like, you know, Bob Kane is credited as the creator of Batman. He's the one that drew him and, and, you know, came up with the original design. And, you know, and that, and that, you know, he drew the, you know, the original works uh, in Detective Comics. Um, but Bill Finger was responsible uh, for kind of the origin of the character, you know, for the idea of being the orphan and the, the parents and the alleyway and, you know, the story of, uh, of vengeance against, you know, crime and, and that sort of thing. So Bill Finger definitely contributed a lot of the uh, kind of the, the mythos behind the uh, Batman origin story. So. That's why when you see it today, you'll see Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Um, and it's the story behind just getting that with Bill Finger. In, and you'll see it today. Either it's in the movies or even in any Batman comic you read, you will see that with Bill Finger. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I had completely forgotten about that, but it's such a great story. Um, Brad, let me ask you, what, what's, what's your favorite uh, Batman thing? Uh, you know, as... As cliche as it may be, I love the killing joke. Mm. Uh, you know, I read that when I was young enough to to know it was about something, but not completely grasping exactly what, and had the sense of mystery in it. And you know, reread it a few times since then, and I, I loved the characterization. Um, it was it, it was just perfect. And lately, I've had a very big soft spot for the Arkham 
games and mm. the Batman world yes. is portrayed in those games. The character designs are so incredible. Um, and really when it comes to comic, comic culture, whatever, there's nothing better than a well-told Batman story. And the story in the game, especially the first one, those are just like, they hit all those beats that you want in a Batman story. And the fact that it's in a video game, it's, it's, uh, I, I love it. So, so let me ask you this, cause I'm a big fan of those games as well, but which, what do you think of the, I know everybody loves Arkham Asylum. I love Arkham Asylum. I'm sure you do. But what do you think about the, the next three, which is Arkham city origins and Arkham Knight? You know, uh, Arkham, I, I, the the storyline of Arkham City was a little bit hokey, but I still liked it a lot. And I, a lot of people don't like Origins, but I really enjoy. I really liked what they did with Black Mask. And as far as Arkham Knight, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of driving in video games. Yes. So <laughs> when when I heard that they were going to have the Batmobile, and I was like, yeah. But once I got the feel for it with the combat in the Batmobile and driving it around, I thought that was flawless too. So I liked them all. I liked them all. I, I think Origins is really gets a lot of slack, but I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. You know, let me just touch on a couple of things if I may. But I, I'm, I love Arkham Asylum. I really love Arkham City just because I felt it expanded. On a lot of things that Asylum did, I know that a lot of people don't like it because of that. They felt like the world got kind of got too big. Um, but I love just the amount of content and characters that were packed in. Um, I know a lot of people hate on Origins. My whole take on Origins is that it felt like it was more, whereas Asylum and City were kind of more tied into the comics. Origins felt like it was more tied into the Nolan movies. Um, mm, with a more kind of yeah. yeah, with a more realistic take, and yeah, I, I feel the same way about Arkham Knight. I I'm not a big fan of driving around a Batmobile a tank. Um, yes. I would much rather just be Batman. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> but yeah, but that's interesting. I, I I'm really glad you uh you you brought those things up. And I, I don't know I I touched on mine last week, and I won't go too far into it. But I just touched on um the Tim Burton Batman movie as kind of my introduction. Um as well as the animated series having a big impact on me and um, the Dark Knight Returns um, kind of, you know, my exposure to Batman as a kid, as a teenager, and then as an adult and just kind of really showed off what the character is really capable of. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, thank you guys for sharing that. I, you know, really appreciate mm -hmm. you guys, you know, sharing your, your thoughts on, on Batman as we celebrate, as we get draw ever closer to the day, and uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of things. I don't know if there's any celebration scheduled um, by where you guys live, but I know um, I'll be at WonderCon, and oh, wow. I'm just yeah, I'm really excited for that because I know you know the DC crew is going to be there, and you know on the actual day, so I'm just really excited to see what they're going to do there. Um, but yeah, um, let me just go ahead and uh, wrap this up and a little bit of house cleaning, if you will, before we wrap up. Just want to remind our listeners that DC Comics News is now on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Play. So please head over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us. Um, we really appreciate you guys, you know, just giving any uh, positive, you know, any feedback and constructive criticism. Really appreciate that. You can also 
follow us our follow our site on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube, and that's at DC Comics News. And I just want to give you guys an opportunity to kind of uh, share if you guys are working on anything or any podcasts or where, you know, where can people follow you? Uh, Brad, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bflicky1. That's B-F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-1. Um, uh, you know, you can follow me also re- uh, on the news stories I do for DC Comics News. And I review... Uh, Black Lightning every week, so you can see my opinions there as well. Okay, and Kelly, where can people find you? Um, I have a Twitter as well. It's my name, Kel Gaines Fright. Um, so K E L G A I N E S W R I T E. Yeah, and I mean that's that's pretty much the main place. Okay. Um, you know, and also I do want to give a shout out. If you guys go on our website, please read Kelly's work. She's done some great op-ed pieces for our site. I'm a big fan. So if you guys have a chance to read those, please check them out. Um, and okay. So I guess that'll do it. I just want to go ahead and, uh, thank you guys for, for being here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for, for having me. Thank you. Okay. And with that, we're going to sign off. And uh, but before we do, we just won't here at DCN. We just remind you guys to read more comics. It's it's Frank freaking Miller. <laughs>